You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Mr. Kabir Parker. Hey, everyone. Are you related to Spider-Man, Peter Parker? I get that every day, and I am not, unfortunately. Man, imagine if you could have spider powers. I'd rather have Aquaman powers, honestly. Is that because you love the sea? Yeah, I do, man. I do. It's my love. Why do you love the sea, though? I think it stemmed from... I was born in Connecticut, and I was raised a little bit by the sea, but then I actually moved to India and that's where I grew up. And on fortunate occasions when school was out, I was able to uh, explore the Indian Ocean. Uh, there's pristine Indian Ocean reefs and that's what stemmed my love for the ocean and marine biology. What exactly about marine biology? Because you're talking to a fellow seagoer, my friend, a seafarer, oh, yeah? I would say. I am uh, oh, yeah. from Ocean City, Maryland, so I am ha- happy to be one of the rarest locations that is like an island it's surrounded by uh the ocean on one side and the bay on the other so i think from the age of like eight months i had floaties on i was in the water swimming around (laughs) that's good to hear so where did what what exactly about marine biology are you interested in like um we talking about categorizing animals or we talk about more categorizing the reefs or looking at the beautiful surroundings of the ocean well that's a fair question so when I first started out, I was obsessed with fish. I, um, every time I would dive in, I would like, memorize every fish that I saw, and then I would go back home and look through ID books and just ID the hell out of everything. And I just loved being able to name everything and interact with all these different animals. And that's how I started free diving, actually. That's breathful diving. And when you free dive, you're not blowing any bubbles. You're not constrained by heavy gear. And that way, you can move through the water very gently and very fast if you'd like. And that way, animals are not very, afra- not very afraid of you. And so you can actually develop re- relationships with all these different animals and they let you come close. Um, you can have these really cool interactions. And it was with all those animals that I started interacting with is how this passion for marine biology actually started. Now, free diving is without all the oxygen tank and stuff, right? Correct. It's just breath hold. Okay, so how exactly are you extending your breath? Like, what are the practices you're doing? I know that's a thing because... I have been floating around in my lazy river when I was a little kid for a very long time. And I remember I was trying to hold my breath to go as far as I can all the way around the lazy river without coming up. It was a mile, I think, probably a little bit less than a mile around. Oh, that's the bold. Park. That's bold. So as a kid, you're like, I can fucking take on anything, which is not true. You're going to drown. And um, I remember I would always get like a quarter pass, but I was always push myself and push myself and push myself. And I think mm-hmm. after like, I mean, going to the water park every single day for like, cause I, my grandparents worked there. So it was a free day. So, I mean, I would be there every day during the summer. And then I worked there the next couple of years, but I remember I'd always keep trying to push myself. And I found that like, if you keep trying to work on your oxygen levels, you can get it pretty far to where you can hold your lungs for a long time. Correct. Yeah. I'm, I respect that grind, bro, but I'm glad I hope that you don't do that anymore because that's actually pretty dangerous. You could, you could definitely black out by doing that. Wait, so you're telling me when I saw like the light fading away and it seemed like I was going in a tunnel and my lungs started hurting, I was dying? Probably. You were probably very close. I thought like, hey, I could do it. Just push a little farther. And then once the air's completely gone, you're like, this is it. 
I can see my grandma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kids, man, I did, I did stuff, stuff similar in just pools. And looking back after learning all this free dive training and knowledge, that's actually not a very smart idea. Well, what would you typically say would be the best if I'm trying to maybe expand my lung capacity or do something uh, a little bit on the free diving side? Because I've been to Hawaii where I've been scuba diving and seen all the beautiful coral reef and all the wonderful fish. But mm. I think the issue with it was I was doing like a snorkel. So every time I would try and go underwater, I would just have to hold my breath and dive under. So that snorkel was useless. Mm -hmm. So if you want to hold your breath underwater then you must, must, must always have a, a dive buddy that's there, that's trained, that is prepared in case you black out. A blackout would occur if the partial pressure of oxygen reaching your brain gets too low. And that level is different from person to person. And it can happen um, very uncontrollably and very unpredictably. So if I had to ask you, if I was going to go, let's say, on a dive with you, what would be the first steps we take on, you know, getting prepared for a trip? Like, how do you usually come across to setting up for a free dive? So usually I'm always diving with people that, that know what they're doing, that are certified. They go through a free diving certification course so that you learn the proper safety, the breathe ups. What your breathe up is your breathing pattern before a dive, how to relax. Half of free diving is just being able to relax and meditate on the surface so that your heart rate is very low and that way you're not using too much oxygen when you go down. Do you find that it's hard for people to relax only because it's like trying to go underwater is a pretty difficult thing for a lot of people? It is at first, but then you realize that it's actually very natural. There is this innate physiological response. Humans, mammals, and some birds have to immersion in water, which is called the mammalian diving reflex. Essentially, it induces a couple different things in your body, but most namely, bradycardia, which is reduction of your heart rate and vasoconstriction, which is the heart leaves your extremities and enters the, uh, just uh, your main core, surrounds your main core components in your body. And that way, you're, it's essentially a, um, a survival defense mechanism against being drowned. Huh. I'm trying to think. And that's how dolphins and seals and all of them do it. It's, and it's just a, um, it's a remnant of our more aquatic ancestors. I know because drowning is so popular. A lot of people are afraid to even get in like a foot of water because of it. But like, I've been around it so long that like, that's not even a thought in my head is about drowning. Like I don't even, I mean, I've been around sharks. I've been around anything. And it's, I think the most scariest thing is really just, I don't know when you hit that exhaustion factor is pretty fucking scary. Um, like, you know, when you're out there swimming, like, um, I mean, if you look up Ocean City, Maryland, you're going to come across this beach town and our bay is basically waist deep the whole entire way. There's only certain spots you can't stand, basically like uh, like the boating channel and all that. But I remember I walked from one side to the other, which I mean, is a good couple miles. It took me like an all day adventure, just walking straight all the way across this water boats going by me and everything. And my boss, he's sitting in a boat yelling at me, you can do it like that type of like joking around and stuff. And we're just shooting the ship. But after a while, like I became really exhausted. And I got into the part where the boat channel was and I couldn't touch the bottom and I was swimming. And after a while, like it got really, really hard to paddle. I started feeling like the water coming up above me. I'm like, no freaking way I'm going to die in this part of it's not even the ocean. It's the fucking bay. Oh, man. What a way to go. Right. I mean, how often do you ever come across like one of those trips that you go out that you just feel like, oh, shit, like this is a close one. Yeah, sure. So what you're referring to would just be like standard drowning from getting tired. 
But the thing with free diving is, well, if you're moving around that much, I'm, I'm assuming you're like, stra like straggling at the surface, everything's going crazy. You're, you'd be using so much, you'd be using a lot of oxygen, you'd be using a lot of your muscles, but those muscles would be producing a lot of CO2. And CO2 in free diving acts like a gauge. So if that level gets way too high, the CO2 is what activates your urge to breathe. So because that CO2 is so high, you're just going to be breathing and you won't actually black out. You would only drown in that situation from getting tired and going under. What's a close encounter that you have? Have you had any experiences where like you're swimming down there and uh, let's say like you're about to black out or something, or you've seen somebody go into like a panic mode or something? Because I feel like when you're diving underwater, if you're going under there, if you even come across something you've never seen before, like a fish or a shark or something, you're going to mm. freak the hell out. I mean, even for like a lot of people, like a, a giant fish is something scary. I saw a tuna one time, like a full, oh, no way. full grown tuna. Them motherfuckers are no joke. They're huge, man. It's Dude, unreal. They're I was, so big. I was jet skiing, and my and uh customer's jet ski got stuck on a sandbar, so I had to jump on there and push him off of it. And he's being an idiot and just hitting the throttles, so he's sucking up all this sand into his jet ski. So mm. I push him off, and I turn around, and right by my foot is the head of a tuna, like like I mean, decayed and everything, bone. That mm. thing was the size of like two footballs. I was like. Whole, Good lord! I I immediately thought Piranha 3D. <laughs> well, look, the, the at the end of the day with free diving is you have to have to remain calm. Thankfully, um, in my like four years of proper free diving, I still have not encountered a blackout. But I'm trained to um, on how to handle the situation. You do what's called blow tap talk. So also when you're diving, it's always one one person is up, one person is down. It's called one up, one down. And when, so one person is doing the dive and the other person is at the surface watching him at all times. And when you're coming up, which is when your partial pressure of oxygen is going to get the lowest, that's when the highest pressure gradient is, that's when you're most likely to, to black out. If my dive buddy was down there and coming up, I would have my eyes locked on his eyes so that I would know um, how he's feeling in case he comes up and he blacks out. If he were to black out, I'd only grab him. I would keep his airways above the water. I would blow on his eyelids so as to induce his body and tell his body that, hey, you're back up at the surface. And I would slap his cheek a little bit and say his name, wake up, wake up. Huh. Do you ever come across somebody going through something like the bends? No. So the bends and free diving is super, super complicated. If you ask most people, um, you say, oh, no, there's, not, there's no, nowhere near enough nitrogen to, um, that is building up in your blood. But I recently heard um, from Adam Stern, he's the uh, national record holder for Australia, that every now and then free diving and the bends do come up and nobody knows why. Hmm. I know my cousin, he lives in Hawaii. So when we went to go visit him, we did this thing where they have these underwater caves or caverns that you can kind of run through. They use them like a little bit like obstacle courses. Some of the locals do. And he gave us these giant rocks <laughs> and he's like, we're going to do a training thing. And I'm like, we're going to carry rocks underwater through these caverns. He's like, yeah. And he didn't warn me how long the cavern was. So, I mean, I went, in, <laughs> I went in there with a full breath, but not one you would expect if it was going to be a long trip. So yeah. we dive under and we grab these rocks for like a couple minutes just to help us get all the way to the bottom faster. And then we start swimming through this cavern and I'm sitting there like going slow because it's my first time going through it. So I'm like, I don't want to bump into any of this coral or rock shit. So I'm trying to go around it. And next thing I know, I'm like 
trying to go up and look up for air. And as I'm looking up to, as I'm going up, I notice that there's no, there's no air up there. It's all rock still. I'm underwater in a cave. So there's no like, oh, I can't just pop up and be like, oh, I'm gonna take a break and then go back down and start to continue through the tunnel. It's you have to fucking mm -hmm. clear the damn thing. And I mean, that was one of the scariest moments of my life. Like towards the end, you're sitting there, your heart's beating. Like you can feel it starting to constrain a little bit. You're like, oh shit, oh shit. And you're just like doggy paddling as fast as you can all the way through. I mean, oh boy. Those experiences, I think that's when the panic starts to set in. You start looking at that, mm -hmm. like, but those are some of the funnest ones too, because they give you the best adrenaline. Well, yeah, so that's called rock running, and those wines, dude, for some, I mean, it, it honestly looks like so much fun. It is badass, to be fair. But some it's free dive training beforehand would definitely, <laughs> some free dive training and preparation beforehand would definitely have helped you. The thing is, the, uh, the adrenaline is exactly what you not want free diving is certainly an extreme sport um but it is the opposite of adrenaline seeking because if your adrenaline spikes then your heart rate is going to increase and you're going to end up using more oxygen yeah see this would have been great to know before i went and did that <laughs> next time we'll go he was like hey man you want to do something fun i'm like sure and he's like all right cool let's get high first and go do it and it's my first time and i just i guess i was so baked i didn't really need to ask questions i just figured I, my life's in his hands i trust him enough and mm -hmm. we went and yeah i was definitely thinking a lot more when i was down there like as soon as i entered the tunnel i was like this is fucking dark i can't see anything how am i gonna get out of here what's toast on butter taste like and then i'm like i'm going <laughs> everywhere and not even thinking at one different thing but there's some of the best experiences too. I mean, Hawaii like is way different from my town. My town, the water's so green. It looks like you're looking through a beer bottle or so it really gets brown too. You look like, mm -hmm, sure. and I mean, I've been hit by a sprinkler. I've been hit by a saw people throwing. Yeah. A saw legit. Um, a saw. Yeah. That hit me in the leg. It was freaking nuts. And um, I mean, it's fun fishing area. It's nice for tourism. But when you go to a place that doesn't have a lot of tourism, like uh, Hawaii or something, even though it's considered a popular tourist attraction, it's still really far out. And a lot of people don't get down there and pollute the waters that much because they're so big on keeping the oceans clean. And I think there's some of the most beautiful memories, too. Like, what's a beautiful memory you have of just doing free diving? Like, one you remember distinctively? It's hmm. a good question. Let's see. Yeah, no, it is a good question. I think... If we're talking about pure, pure free diving and not just spear fishing, I would think um, going down to 40 meters without fins for the first time. I was training in Curaçao, which is just north of Venezuela, um, with Walid Budia, who's the Tunisian, he has the, uh, the Tunisian record for free diving. He's one of the best free divers in the world. And he was my instructor. And we were doing some free dive training. And I really, really love the discipline called constant no fin, CNF. And it's using no gear at all to go down as deep as you can and back up down a line and back up and being that deep feeling the pressure and having no gear on me felt for some reason very natural and very just wholesome and heartwarming and it also just made me feel amazing and i would say that one just because it felt like it was just me in the ocean me on my own terms and yeah, it was an it was an incredible, incredible feeling. And due to Henry's law, the oxygen was really up into my brain, and I was honestly a little high down there. Would you say like it's a good meditation state too? Like anybody like look, I mean, everybody's got a form of meditation, but like finding a clarity. Like I always found water to be so, so healing. I mean, mm -hmm. just hopping in it. I mean. 
don't get me wrong. I haven't been in the water for a very long time only because I did jet skis for so freaking long that like, you probably know the pain of this as well, but being in a wet wetsuit and then trying to get it off every single day <laughs> when you're tired as hell, once it gets to your ankles, you're like, fuck this. Like, you're just like, I'm going to bed. You lay down with on a wetsuit or some shit. I mean, oh, man. Yeah. that, that just kind of ruined it for me. But like when I go to the beach and stuff, like it's just so cooling. I mean, even if I get sick or something, I take a shower, it clears up so well. I think <clears throat> like just floating in a pool, things of these sorts. I mean, they're some of the best things in the world. Mm -hmm. It's funny you mentioned the wetsuits, actually. Did you know that most free dive wetsuits actually are pretty easy to take off? That's amazing. I wish I had one because let me tell you something. You know how many times I pissed in my wetsuit and I couldn't get it out? Oh, dear. You couldn't flush it. You're trying to pull the bottom out, like get this thing out of here. You just got a giant yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm warm on the inside, but cold on the outside. I don't like this. Man, yeah. Free dive wetsuits, they um, on the inside, they, it's, it's, it's called open cells. So instead of having that nylon sheet on top of the neoprene, it's just the raw neoprene. And that way, it's um, neoprene is super, super smooth. So you put on like a mixture of conditioner and water. You shake it up in a water bottle dispense that through your wetsuit and then the thing just glides on like nothing i'll have to try that i'll have to get a new wetsuit to be honest with you mine's like if i wore a shirt that was two sizes too small from the baby gap store or something i was like this is really tight i mean i look hot but it's not fun I, i'm miserable and i'm soaking wet and they're like yeah that's water robbie i'm like yeah i don't like it the wrong size wetsuit is the worst thing in the world it's like oh man it's like getting a uniform two sizes too small you're like hey can i get that another awful. one of yeah, it's awful. It's awful. If, now, you did say um, free diving, and then you said spear fishing. So what's your most memorable spear fishing? Because, I mean, we have spear fishing down here, but, like, I was always warned, go with somebody you trust. And I'm like, it makes yep. sense, because if you just dive underwater, it's a great way to kill somebody. Like, hey, Bill, heard you're fucking my wife. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, you want to go spear fishing this weekend? Oh, it sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, the spear gun is is a gun. You can easily kill somebody, so you definitely want to go with people who know what they're doing and somebody that doesn't have a, a death wish on you. Have you thought about it? No, 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 of course not. I is love it, all my dive buddies. That's how we keep it. That's how we keep it good. Is there one person though that you don't like that would be like you would like to take them on a spear fish and dive? You don't have to say you kill them. I'm just saying you like to take them spear fish. Man, I would love to take. I mean, he's not here. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I got, <laughs> I got a few people. Nancy Grace. Oh, yeah, no, there's a list. There's a list. Nancy yeah. Grace is on that list. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. See, because I look at that, because I'm like, how you know how easily you get away with that? I mean, I'm not a psychopath, but like, oh, I sorry, I thought I shot a fish and accidentally hit somebody. Like my buddy, um, a few summers back, got hit with one of those spear fishing darts. Really? Yeah, that's why yeah. I never went on to it, because I remember him telling me, hey, I'm going out, because Fishtails is this local bar in my town, and um, mm -hmm. it's, like, popular. People go on fishing, like, take a boat out and just go spear fishing or something, <clears throat> and I remember he's like, I'm going out on a trip. I'm like, okay, cool, and then later that night, I heard he was in the emergency room getting one of those things taken out of him, and I was like, whoa, like, is it that common? He just said, yeah, it gets foggy down there. Sometimes you shoot and things happen. I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like, if you could tell the Jeez. cops, like, you could just get away with getting shot with a spearfish. Yeah, that's why it also helps to go one up, one down. Because if you're diving in murky water, you do not want to fire your gun not knowing where your buddy is. Because of exactly that. Yeah, because that dark could just keep on going until it hits something. Mm -hmm. Have you mm -hmm. ever come across any, like, I guess uh you know anything dangerous in the water besides like an eel or so? i mean 
I know people say eels aren't dangerous, but I also saw an eel pop a dude's pinky off. So, Oh, yeah. The thing with eels is that they have a second jaw called the pharyngeal jaw, and that one does not let go. Yeah. That one is the one from the inside that they use to pull everything in so that their main jaw can do all the, all the, all the crunching. And, yeah, you do not want to get bit by an eel. That's not a good idea. So when it comes to worst experiences, what's the worst you've ever had, either doing free dive or scuba dive or spearfishing? You can say both if you have two separate. Oh, it's, it's going to be spearfishing because that's when, you know, you spearfish, there's blood on the water, and that's when sharks come, when sharks come hungry. I haven't had, like, anything too intense so far. I mean, we have, we have issues with bull sharks all the time here in Miami. My friend shot an African pompano off of Isla Morada, which is just like an hour south of here on this wreck in 130 feet of water. And as he was bringing it up from the surface, I was trying to shoo away all these different bull sharks. And then all of a sudden they disappeared. I'm like, all right, I did a good job. We're gonna, get, we're gonna land this fish. And then this like six, seven foot bull shark, which doesn't sound that big, but bull sharks, they have the most testosterone out of all the species. They, they swim like it's nobody's business. These big ones, or like the six, seven foot ones and larger, they are extremely dense and wide. And so it is a tank coming at you. And then as soon as he showed up, I just, he would not, I would try and poke him. He just did not care. And he ate the fish and he ripped it to shreds right in front of all of us. And it was intense. What would you consider the most scariest shark to be? Like everyone always talks about like the ones with the huge, I guess, teeth that stick out of their mouth. Like they got a funny jaw or something. But then I look Mm -hmm. at like, I've seen a great white. I don't ever want to see it again. Also, I've seen a hammerhead, but I think the hammerheads to me are like the most peaceful. They don't seem like they have that blood or I want to kill you in their eyes, mostly because you have to kind of like look around them to kind of see their eyes considering it's on each either side of their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a, um, like a 14-foot great hammerhead last year steal my fish once. And free diving, free diving with sharks is, is incredible. I would recommend anybody do it as long as they have some proper guidance. Uh, spearfishing with them is a whole nother matter. I, I still like sharks even when I spearfish, and that is like the most uncommon opinion you will ever have just because I'm a marine biologist and I love seeing them so much. I don't really mind them, but you have to be super, super careful. So your obsession with marine biology came from just loving the water so much and seeing all these beautiful things? Mm-hmm. What do you typically prefer uh, to study in marine biology? Like, what do you, Are you more into the coral? Or the, if you're into the animal life, what typical animals are we talking about here? Yes. So I started college off doing coral reef, coral reef research. So I essentially was, was analyzing the, uh, the coral algal symbiosis. Coral live in symbiosis with this dinoflagellate algae called zooxanthellae. The zooxanthellae are photosynthesizing and they provide nutrients to the coral. In return, the coral provides the, uh, the tissue, the housing for which the zooxanthellae can live. I was researching that interaction under the influence of climate change. And after a couple of years of that, as important as it was, such as you're increasing through that research, you could increase the thermal tolerance of corals, meaning as temperatures get warmer and warmer, you can help those corals become more resilient to those temperatures and those higher acidities due to climate change. But I left the lab after that because I wanted to do something more direct with climate change, because even though you can only increase a coral's thermal tolerance so much, and I'd like to do something where we don't have to do that anymore. We can actually just resolve climate change by curbing emissions and such. And so I thought I wanted to do that for the rest of my life. I did it for two years and then, then I stopped. And then I think my interest in marine biology is definitely with ocean animals now, but that's not really something that's more of a passion and it would not be a, a job. 
Yeah, I think the coral probably needs the most protection just with the amount of people or information that's not really known to the people. I mean, I think one of the biggest things when I went to Hawaii was the fact that my cousin was like, take care of the reef. Like, and I never really truly got it. I had been there a few times, but the first time I went, like we went to this place called Hanama Bay Fish Reserve. And okay. we're going through this fish reserve. It's a national fish reservation. They give you a 45 minute video of how to take care of the area so the fish can stay there. And so we can all enjoy this thing. And if you've ever been to Hawaii, there's a large amount of Asian population in Hawaii, only because we're pr they're pretty close to, you know, Hawaii. And um, when we're going through this fish reserve, all these tourists were just standing on top of the coral. And what that does is it gets. Your, oh, no. Yeah, it gets your scent you think on people there. Learn. Yeah, it breaks. Yeah. It breaks the coral. And next thing you know, like I went back a few years later. I had to go farther out to go enjoy these beautiful fish. We had to keep finding wow. areas less and less with people like that weren't known. And the fish reserve now, I'm pretty sure, probably barely has any really fish left in it. Because last time we went, a few years ago, it was so skimpy. I was like, we could have easily just went to the regular ocean, walked across, and then next thing you know, we could have been where there are way more fish. Mm -hmm. That sucks. Like, the thing with corals is that they are so, so sensitive. And, I mean, within all of our lifetimes, we can easily see how easily they, how, how they degrade so quickly when under the wrong environmental stressors. Do you think if enough study gets put in, we can find a way to be able to regrow or maybe try and preserve a lot more of this coral besides just blocking it off from the people? Because I feel like we could talk about uh, coral preservation, like don't go in the water, close the beach, or you know, keep this area restricted off so the fish can live. But I mean, we, we know people, and once you tell us not to go into something, is usually when we try and go into it. Sure, yeah. So that's why I'm something that I'd like to do in my career going forward very soon is implementing marine protected areas. Those are areas that are blocked off from fishing and they're very limited in how people can use them. And that way, those populations, nature on its own is very resilient and very resistant to, uh, to change. So if you have a completely healthy population of all the different trophic levels, meaning all the different uh, feeding levels of predators, prey, coral, then it tends to be the most resilient. So when as these waters get more acidic and more warmer due to climate change, they're more likely to, to survive. Now, is that an end-all solution? We'd have to curb emissions because, like I said, you can only increase the thermal tolerance of coral so much, and they're so sensitive that if we continue on this path, even if we protect them, um, they will mostly become extinct in the wild. I think... What do you think would be a fix, like besides like even just telling people about it? Do you think you could do something more on the lines of educating? I mean, how do you feel typically about like the only marine educator who really sees at zoos or fucking SeaWorld? So I'm like, SeaWorld is the, supposed to be the most corrupt of them all. I'm like, from a marine biologist perspective, like how do you typically think upon these things? Education is a massive part of it. I, I would hope that at, the, at this place you're talking about now in Hawaii, they have signs set up so that you can say, obviously, don't step on the coral and why that is why you guys need to do that. But um, this is like a tourist it, attraction, bro. It's like they're known as a fish reserve, but there's not people like you that would be out there regulating it. It's more like, oh, here's the video for 45 minutes. Thank you for your $50 fee and then go down there and have fun. That's what it is. Yeah, you need, you need proper enforcement. That's one of the key areas. Um, the key things in, in a good marine protected area.
that's you probably know? what it was lacking. Yeah. I'm looking at like when after we realized the fish reserve after like an hour, we were like, man, there's not as fish as much fish as there used to be. So me and my grandma, my brother, and my couple of cousins, we just took a trip. I think maybe it was like a good 45 minutes away. It might have taken that long because my grandma went the opposite direction. Um, but by the time we got there, it was like this little hotel or something. But in the back, there was like this secluded little beach area. Like it wasn't a popular hotel. And if you weren't a local or something, you wouldn't really know about it. So we go back there and there were sea turtles, dude. And I don't think I've ever gotten the best photographs with sea turtles before. Like I was feeding them kelp. I mean, I was just swimming next to them and stuff, not touching them. I didn't want to touch them. I just want to let them mm -hmm. do their own thing. But I mean, they were coming up to me. They wanted me to pet them. My cousin was petting them. But uh, oh, wow. it was interesting to see because like you get to see a lot of this stuff if you're like me or if you're from some state in the middle of the country on TV. This is stuff that you would would never think to experience and getting to see it in like real life. It's completely just like the videos make it out to be. Mm -hmm. That's it's interesting you bring that up. That's why I'm actually like a big proponent of aquariums, even though some of them get a lot, a lot of bad rep, like you're taking an animal from its home and it's going to be living in captivity for the rest of its life. But a lot of those charis charismatic animals, now, now I'm not talking about the cetaceans, so dolphins and porpoises, killer whales, those I don't really support being in captivity just because they're so intelligent. That's like keeping somebody in a bathtub for their whole life. But big fish and other animals, they act in aquariums, they act like ambassadors for their species. All these people that don't know a thing about them can come to an aquarium and learn about them and learn about why they need protecting. And that's why I find aquariums extremely important. Yeah, I agree with the idea of putting jellyfish, sea turtles, uh, horseshoe crabs especially. I love horseshoe crabs, man. They're so cool. Why do you love them so much? Well, look, I grew up, I was, was born in Connecticut, and I would go back uh, every summer now and then, and there were horseshoe crabs all along the coastline. And there's just such like an iconic northeast marine oh, animal. I, I know. I just love them that much. Man. There's they're like so a cool. There's a thousand of them I probably stepped on in the bay. Um, they're <laughs> they're not fun to take a nice tail to the or to the foot. I would say, um, doing jet skis, we constantly had to jump off our jet skis to help people, like you know, save somebody or jump in the water, make sure you know, help somebody start back up their jet skis. Every time I jumped in, I was stepping on a freaking horseshoe crab, or I was stepping on a regular crab. I've been pinched so many times. I think the worst experience I've ever had. I'm gonna ask you this too. It happens to do with a sea creature is mm -hmm. I got stung by a school of jellyfish. <laughs> Ouch. I don't Ouch. think I've Ouch. ever felt that much pain in my entire life. Like I had, I just like, you're out in the water all day. I'm on my jet ski. I pulled my wetsuit down. So it's only my top part of my torso is showing. So it's like, kind of like if you're wearing a jacket that you tied around your waist. And um, I jump in the water, not even a minute later, man, I was in a school of jellyfish and my whole back body, everything felt like I was feeling pinched. And then I just mm -hmm. started burning, dude. I have never in my life, I was flicking off jellyfish left and right. Yeah. I, oh man. I mean, I think those are like red jellyfish or something in Connecticut. I think we have something similar. And during the summer, was this during the summer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they congregate and they go crazy. I'm yeah. not a fan. I mean, I see the people that pick them up, the little baby ones, and throw them like frisbees. I think that's fucked up. But when, <laughs> that's not cool. When oh, I see well. when I see those giant ass jellyfish floating in the water, and you're trying your best to get away from it, and it just keeps creeping towards you, I'm like, look, man, one of us is about to fight. It's like when you come across a spider in your shower, and you're like, all right, dude, 
let's respect the boundaries here, okay? <laughs> For sure. What would you consider probably one of, I guess, the things in the ocean you don't want to come across? I mean, if you had to choose one thing that you just particularly don't like. Oh, man, I feel like... Don't say shark. No, no, no. I'm not going to say shark because I love sharks. I want to I come across every single one. I think the most cautious I would be around an animal would be either a giant squid or a Humboldt squid because of how smart and unpredictable they are. Like if a giant squid, for some God knows reason, you come up, come upon one while you're diving, that thing can easily take you down and could if it like more than likely would want to. I'm not sure. More like if you run into a killer whale, of course it could kill you, but it won't. That just doesn't happen. They don't, they don't, they don't like to eat people. But a giant squid, no thank you. Yeah, giant squid seems like the bipolar fish of the ocean. Like, it's just looking at you, okay, like if you're feeding it and then you run out of food, it's like, oh, hey, I can do this to you, grab you by the torso and just rip you in half. Yeah, and they have those beaks too. They just rip you to shreds. They're the most interesting though. Like when I figured out when I was like 14 that calamari is fried squid, I was like, whoa, (laughs) what am I eating? And they're like, that's squid. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Have you ever uh, tried to cl- maybe in an aquarium or try to, you know, bring some of these fish, at least put them in a tank or something to study them more? I mean, you obviously are bringing a notepad or something out there when you go out, right? If you're going to categorize fish. Mental notepad. Mental notepad. What? You're not fucking writing this down? No, man. You just memorize it. Bro, I got to save 30 passwords in my phone just to make sure I don't ever forget one. <laughs> I mean, when you love something, you just like, it, it leaves an imprint on your memory. That's true. I mean, I guess adding a number to a password makes it a little bit more difficult to remember. And a special character, too. That kind of pisses me off. And my passwords are like words, but with all those weird characters instead of some letters to make it sound complicated. Yeah. Yeah. If my password is alligator and you tell me to do an exclamation point, a special character, a freaking parenthesis or something on top of it, I'm like, all right, well, shit. I'm not going to remember this one. <laughs> Make it, let's make it super difficult. Oh, no. When it comes to, uh, you know, all your experiences and stuff, too, what do you basically – what's the end goal? Like, what do you want to take this? I know you're talking about educating and, you know, at least diving into it, but would you want to own your own fish reserve or maybe tour guides to show people the beauty of this stuff? Because, I mean, you're talking to a wide variety of audience. Like, for you, it's normal. For you, it's like I experienced this a lot. I know what this is like. It's just a common thing. Same thing for me. Surfing jet skiing all this stuff it's so fucking normal to me it's like riding a bike or going for a walk but to a lot of Mm. people in the middle of the country that don't ever get to experience this type of thing it's a brand new thing and they need to know about it i'm glad you asked that question i'm actually starting a youtube channel uh first video should be up to i think tomorrow day after and it'll be showcasing free diving spearfishing marine biology and conservation and i'm going to use my scientific expertise and background and apply that to the ocean and make that comprehensible, digestible for everyone. And I'll be taking people on adventures as I free dive, as I experience all, I have, all the, have all these different ocean experiences, study marine biology, study the ocean, uh, spearfish sustainably, because spearfishing is the most selective and sustainable form of hunting. And uh, yeah, subscribe. <laughs> well, you gotta explain to me, you gotta give me a sneak peek. How are you explaining the ocean to these people in the video? Am I, will, I, am, I am I looking at okay, so your video it starts off. Is it Morgan Freeman going the ocean so powerful and so mystical. No, it's me, man. It's me. Well, what do like, you what do you fucking deep tell in my him? voice and do that? 
What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Is it nature oh. documentary style or is it like infomercial where it's like, here we have a coral. Let's move on to the next thing. What is it? So I, I would say right now it's like a day of free diving or spear fishing. And then you have a point of view, a GoPro on my mask as we hunt the fish. I'm explaining what we're doing. Um, we're running into all these different animals and I'm explaining the marine biology of these different animals. I'm explaining the free diving that I'm doing, the breathe ups, the, uh, the techniques, all that. Do you make it like... It's basically a way of like enjoy, enjoying the hell out of the ocean. Do you make and it... And so in a way that everybody could do it. Okay, but do you make it more like, uh, like kind of bringing in a sense of humor and a sense of fun to it as well? Because I find... Yeah, like, absolutely. All right, it's cool. It's full of jokes. Full with, of memes. I was to say, with education though, you got you to gotta throw some comedy in there. People are just going to be like, what the hell am I watching? Mm, you got it. So, okay. So you got the YouTube video that's coming out. Um, what, I mean, where do you, where do you want to go with that though? Do you, are you trying to get, you know, get a, a show or something like on a, is that, is that like an end goal? I mean, thinking out of the box here, I'm not dropping the show name. I could say out of the blank, but I wouldn't do that. Uh, but like, if you're going to drop like a documentary type thing, I mean, that's important because I feel like a lot of them are basis on the same thing. They just show you beautiful images with no talking, or they show you so much talking that you don't really understand what's going on. You kind of lose attraction to the beautiful um, objects in the background. I think there needs to be like, you've ever seen like bro science or one of those like funny. Yeah, ads. of course. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You need to do that with like the ocean or something. Show people like this is a fucking fish. Like it's, you know, <laughs> but then drop knowledge on them. Like you don't need to curse if you want to do for family, but it makes it more mm. entertaining for the listener because I mean, for us, our attention spans like it's a minute. Like it's mm. it's not something like a 15 minute documentary. I mean, I can get down if the guy's from like England or Irish or something. Like if they're like, here we have the wild sea turtle. And today he's going down the mountain. I'm like, holy shit, he's going down the mountain. <laughs> no, man, that's a good point. I will definitely take that into account. That I have to make it very, very exciting and interesting and easy to understand. And for people listening, yeah. that's that's code name for fuck off. I, I, I got it. I picked it up. I picked it up. What? No, 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 no. <laughs> serious. No, you're absolutely right. Everything you're saying is absolutely right. I mean, look, this is my first video and obviously got a lot to learn. I'm learning all the uh, Premiere and Photoshop and all that, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And I'd like to use this channel as more of a supplement to my actual career, which is hopefully half of it will be dedicated to implementing and expanding marine protected areas. And I, the, I guess the importance of marine protected areas is the fact that we want this stuff to last a long time, not just end in our lifetime. You know, you want your grandkids, you want your kids to be able to see this type of thing too. Exactly. Lifetimes ahead. Do you, what, what is your thoughts on like all the plastic pollution that's out there too? Because I've talked to a few people that deal with the realm of mycology, which is the study of mushrooms and bacteria, like fungi life. Yeah. And they've been talking about finding ways to develop a fungus well, I also kind of shot an idea my way. It was like, if you're able to turn that fungus into an, like it's able to take off dirt. Like they've learned to be able to use that bacteria to eat up bad stuff, such as like plastic and stuff. What happens if we could turn that into the ocean and find a way to maybe break down a lot of this plastic pollution too? I mean, our town is huge 
on plastic conservation. I mean, the whole fact of when you, you know, if you're going to dump something into the ocean, let's make it biodegradable. Let's make it something like a straw that's going to break down. Let's make it something that's going to not be around in our oceans forever. Because, I mean, who wants to see another sea turtle video where a fucking straw's up his nose? Yeah, so the plastic problem is definitely one of the biggest when it comes to issues pertaining to the ocean. I actually interned with NASA last summer, and I was developing a method of using satellites to find plastic in the ocean. And the thing is, there's already so much there. I think the first step would be to curb our actual production of plastic. So we definitely need a more biodegradable option. And then we can focus on actually like dealing with uh, the garbage patches in each of the oceanic gyres. How often do you come across like in a free dive, some trash or something? Oh, man. Uh, in Florida, like more oh. than once. Every, in Florida, more than once every single time. Like you're diving in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden, like you're spearing fish and all of a sudden this like plastic bottle just floats by and you're like, damn, this is depressing. Oh, dude, if I can get hit by a saw in Ocean City, Maryland, I think you're definitely experiencing a lot more in Florida. Oh, that's a problem with spring breakers too when they come down here. People on boats and barges, man. I would be in the bay. Yeah, no respect. No yeah. respect. I would be jet skiing in the bay all the time and I would see all these people on pontoon boats just getting drunk and dumping their whole cooler into the water and then driving off like it was nothing. I'm like, bro, this is why there's $5,000 fines for shit like this is because you guys mm -hmm. just treat it like your dumpster. But look, I was studying abroad in the Galapagos last year and I was free diving. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Why the fuck is it? Are you just coming out with all of this now? Where was this like 20 minutes ago? Hey, man, he didn't ask me. You're <laughs> sure. All right. No, talk yeah. about it, dude. I want to hear all about this. I'm so fascinated. I'm boring. I haven't gone anywhere besides like Hawaii and Vegas. Titty. No, look, man, it was incredible. We, uh, our school uh, has a relationship with a, uh, an NGO there where they, um, the, sc the school essentially flies in professors every two weeks, and those professors teach us a, a semester-long course in the two weeks, nine to like nine, nine to five, but it tends to go longer than that. And we actually live with host families on the island. So it is once in a lifetime, absolutely amazing experience just living in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, um, surrounded in one of arguably the best marine park in the world. But look, even there, I was free diving off a couple of islands, um, a couple of miles offshore, and I ran into a green sea turtle that was actually missing one of its limbs. And I took a closer look and it had fishing line wrapped around all that limb. And the thing was t totally white. It was like mostly decayed and it was, Awful. So even in the Galapagos Islands, the most famous marine protected area on Earth, uh, plastic pollution is there. It's everywhere, man. This is that's really shocking, dude, because I think one of the things I wanted to do in my life was travel. And upon traveling, I wanted to go see everything I possibly could. That means every single ocean, every single least area where people are swimming, where it's popular, all the types of fish that are involved there. And I really came across this thought when I wanted to travel and I was thinking of places to go and I stumbled across this Netflix documentary called Dino Fish. Have you ever heard of it? I have not, no. They found a 600 million year old fish that they thought has been dead for a very long time. Uh, coelacanth. Yeah. And coelacanth. Yeah. Yep. And there's a whole documentary on those things. And the only way they found out about it was because of the Somalian pirates down there that were uh, dynamite fishing had blown up part of its habitat. And people are like, how can a fish live to be that long? It's like that whole species of fish is so deep underwater, the parts where we haven't discovered yet, you know, the, where you would immediately think, oh, the darkness of the ocean, you think that little lantern fish with the freaking light on its head. Um, 
down there, time ages differently because there's no really way to capture <clears throat> if days are passing, only because there's no sun. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that stuff is really intriguing to me. I mean, the whole fact, like, the ocean is just this powerful thing we barely understand. And the fact that we're trying to discover space, I mean, not only are we trying to discover space without even discovering the earth, but also not even discovering about our human minds as well, where our passions, where our interests are. I think that's important that we need to look at. I mean, people find clarity in different things. Why is a form of meditation going out on a boat? Why is that so peaceful to some people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's part of the argument where like, we know more about the surface of the moon than the bottom of the ocean. Do you think that more time should probably be sent discovering? I mean, would you want to go down to like the depths of the, like the depths of the deep, I would say? Yes, please take me. Let's go. Are you fucking serious? You want to get in a sub and go down there? You know, the one thing I've heard from somebody in a submarine is the worst part is you can't be claustrophobic because you're literally breathing in other guys farts all the time. <laughs> did you ever think about that because i i was 100 percent down with the navy until someone told me that they're like oh i don't want to be on a sub anymore look the thing is to witness an ecosystem that you would never see otherwise and the most hostile place in the world i would love to see it you'd probably every dive down i'm pretty sure they find new species like every single one or yeah. almost every single one it's so cool there's about six thousand four hundred uh either million species that are still left undiscovered underwater how, how, how many did you say six thousand there's probably a lot more than that six thousand four hundred million i think oh yes okay yeah that makes a lot more sense it would be 6.4 million i think is the correct term to say that cryptozoology because there's different types of like species of fish like when it comes to like oh this fish has a different stripe than this one so we have to put them in his own classification yeah and then you bring in bacteria and it's like all right no oh boy that brings in a weird thing with pollution, though. Would that cause evolution or maybe a mute, uh, I guess, a mutagen of a certain fish, maybe turn it into something different? You got to think if there's going to be oil in the water and that stuff just sinks to the bottom, what fish are breathing that in that have learned to adapt to that and maybe evolved into a different variety of fish? I don't think that any anthropogenic human induced factor would have caused like the evolution of any species so far, just because we haven't been alive long enough for evolution to like have that effect. There potentially could be a certain adaption, but there certainly isn't like a new species that came up because of us being here. Like we just, there hasn't been long enough time. Would you say plastic would be the biggest contributing factor to pollution or would you say it would be oil? Oh man, I mean, they're just, they're each bad in their own right, right? Like oil will suffocate and encompass all these different marine animals. Plastic will also suffocate all these different animals, but it also enters the food chain. So it breaks down, it degrades very, very slowly over hundreds and thousands of years. And then eventually it becomes, when it's lower than two millimeter diameter, it'll become what's called a microplastic. And then zooplankton, uh, plankton that are animals can sometimes eat, eat and absorb these little plankton and then small fish eat the plankton and then big fish eat the plankton and then we eat big fish eat the fish and then and then we eat the fish and that plankton bioaccumulates and biomagnifies and eventually enters our systems and plastics they're due to their polyethylene structure they can carry uh they can absorb all these different toxins and those toxins in in addition to the plastic enters our bodies and it causes an array of unknown bad side effects so it's one it's it's honestly a, a giant mess 
plastic ocean pollution. I'm very big on uh, ocean, <clears throat> ocean pollution, making sure that stuff doesn't happen. Because, I mean, I live in a beach town, like I said, so we mainly fish here. There's not a lot of beef and a lot of cattle that we do. We do a lot of fish meals, tilapia, all these types of things. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff gets infected. Next thing you know, you hear on the news, like, don't buy tilapia, don't buy this, don't buy that. I'm like, look, I've eaten a can of fucking tuna every day for 20-something years. And, yeah, I do have a little bit of mercury poisoning from it. But still, it's <laughs> good as hell. I think nowadays you can buy like that commercially uh, sustainably caught tuna. So eyes out for that. I'm bring, look, I'm going to bring it back to this. I saw a tuna and I don't know how the fuck they fit it in a can. I thought the tuna, <laughs> I thought those tuna were that size on the can, like the size of your pinky. Next thing oh I know, my. I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, you can get eight, 80,000 cans from one of those things. Holy crap. Yeah, they are impressive. If you were stuck on an island, Take me through your survival methods. You got one palm tree on the island. There's nothing else there. Okay, I would probably shaft, like shaft in a spear of some sort, make it like a three prong. Like, is there bamboo on this island? All right, or is it just the palm tree? That's a good damn question. I'll give you a couple sticks of bamboo by the palm tree. All right, I'll take it. That way, I would use like a sharp knife and cut out a three prong. It's essentially like make a pole spear of sorts. Uh, it's essentially a, a sh- you know, you have your bamboo shaft, except you use your, your rock to cut in slices at the top so that they become sharp. And then I would spearfish like that. Huh. Now that's how you would get all your food? Yes. Yes. I'm trying to think, because like if I'm stuck on an island, I've had, I've thought this through a lot. Okay. <clears throat> I really have. If there's just one palm tree on there, what would be the smartest way do I want to get off the island or do I want to survive? And I'm like, how could you survive? Wouldn't you want to use the coconut tree or the palm tree or whatever to be able to use it at that as a bamboo thing rather than use the bamboo sticks for a spearfish? I feel like is, is that's because it's lighter. The bamboo is like very sharp and light and good for that thing. I swear I saw it on Bear Grylls one time. I'm just paraphrasing him. What the fuck are you using your knowledge on Bear grills? You've been to the Galapagos Islands. I'm pretty sure it's farther <laughs> than he's ever traveled in his entire life. Oh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> I saw him eat uh, Uncle Ben's rice when he was saying he was drinking his piss the whole time. I was like, that's a lie. <laughs> okay, so he's still a legend, though. He's still a legend. If you have to travel or if you have any of your prospects set on anywhere in this world to travel, to go learn a little bit more about the ocean, a little bit more about the environment there, where would you go? Probably Antarctica. Okay. Penguins? Because uh, there's killer seals out there. If you love the ocean, I would be getting in the water with those things. I'm scared of that more than a shark. Yeah, no, orcas, humpbacks, uh, leopard seals, probably on top of that list too. I think that's what you're referring to. Yeah. That place is, that place is like, at the surface, it is the most untouched and unexplored. There's a reason so why, is because everything over there will kill you. Well, I'm not sure if it would kill you. I think the cold would kill you. Most of those animals, they're not, they're not trying to eat you. They know not to. I feel like there's lots of evidence that divers have been okay i saw the movie happy feet and coming from (laughs) coming from the all right we're bringing facts into this all right i take it back coming from the penguins perspective that fucking snow leopard whatever the hell that thing was was seal whatever it was leopard seal leopard seal 
was very, very mean and had a very, very thug attitude when he talked. Those things are badass. That's what I'm saying, dude. Metal I watched. Argument. Have you ever Have you ever seen Nature versus Metal? Nature? No, what's that? It's a beautiful Instagram page. I want you to look up. It is literally. Oh, Nature is Metal. Yeah, Nature is Metal, dude. dude I love that stuff. I love that shit. Oh my. I God. watched a 30 second video that I still question to this day if I'm okay from it, and it was a leopard seal eating a penguin, and I've never seen it. I've never seen anything attack with such ferociousness this thing just kept picking it up and slamming it into the ice i'm like it's dead facts man yeah all right i'm gonna end it on this what do you feel about spam spam yeah you're gonna spam me after this aren't you i'm just asking how do you not spam like the food oh shit. why oh, would i spit well because i asked for your I don't email know. Oh, I'm not going to send you some. I don't know what you're going like to do with this. Fucking PacSun asking me. PacSun asked me for my email address <laughs> when I'm buying clothes. Why do you need it? Oh, just to have it on our logs. You're going to fucking email me shit. Don't give me that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe sign me up for your Amazon affiliate account. Something <laughs> like that. No, but I meant like spam because uh, a uh, popular tradition in Hawaii dude. is called spam asubi, dude. And that is the most beautiful, delicious thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. What, what even is it? Is it? It's like most fish. What spam? Yeah, I don't, I've never had it. It's like canned meat, but what they do when they make look up spam asubi after this, it's gonna sound better than what I described. But it's like right. it's like a sushi roll basically, but they put spam on top, wrap it with like a sea a seaweed wrap, and then put it on top of a block of rice that they cook. Dude, it's like one of those pocket treats, like a taquito off the roller that you would get at like Seven Eleven or something. My cousin, sure, sure. we went to an ABC store before we went on this like fishing trip where I almost drowned. Um, and he stuck like 30 of them in his pants. And I'm like, I don't want to eat those because those were in your pants. <laughs> but he's like, he, he goes, cuz they're wrapped in tinfoil. I was like, okay, that makes sense. And I, I mean, they're fucking good, man. They're, they're a good treat, good sustainable energy when you're out there fishing all day or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to try it then. It sounds really good. Well, that's how we're ending the podcast. He's been to the Galapagos Islands, but doesn't know what spam is. Oops. <laughs> all right man dude plug your instagram page plug your youtube plug everything so make sure people can find your content sure i will yeah anytime oh right right right, right. my my instagram is uh cabs freediver k-a-b-z freediver and my and my youtube uh, just type in kabir parker and once the video is out it should come up captain cab what i i go by the name my friends call me kabiro the spiro Kabir the Spiro, dude. You should do it. I already got the name of your YouTube series, man. Oh, dear. What is Cash, it? Cash Cab. Cash Cab. With a K. So you're All not right. like the show. Stay tuned for Cash Cab. Subscribe, like. <laughs> oh, it man. takes you on trips through the bay. There you go. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode out of the Blank Podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode.